Are you that weirdo that can't stop talking about murder at happy hour? Well, good, because this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. I was going to wear a headband, but I didn't think it would work with the headphones. I wore a headband and earrings and headphones, and I got a lot going on up here. Remember the time you wore 37 necklaces and they jingled the whole recording? Yes. Hey, I was channeling Mimi from... Drew Carey. No. (laughs) Fuck you. I was channeling... Oh, from Rosemary's Baby. Yes. (laughs) Anyways. Hi. Welcome. Or welcome back. I'm Cassie. I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Gets Weird. Weird. We're a podcast where two best friends have cocktails and talk about weird shit. So, hello. Hi. Hello. Grab a cocktail. Let's get weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's get weird. All right. So, this week, we're going to get straight away into it. We are drinking Palomas. We are drinking Citrus Palomas. Citrus Palomas. Uh, My bad. I... Personally, fresh squeezed grapefruit juice for these. And Tiffany did the orange juice. These are fresh organic Palomas. I don't think we use organic tequila, but. But it's good. So it's a semi-organic Paloma. Anyways, it's delicious. Our recipe for this will be on our Instagram, Happy Hour Gets Weird Pod. We also post it on our Twitter, which is our handle is at HHGetsWeird. And if you're not following us on Instagram or Twitter, check us out. It's where we post all of our behind the episodes, the pictures of what we're talking about, our drink pictures, our recipes, and it's just a good time all around. So follow us. And you'll definitely want to check out this drink. It's really delicious, fruity, refreshing, and it's citrus season. So we thought, let's do it. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty delicious. And this week we are doing a true crime episode. We are... We're not, we're going to cover the case of Aaron Hernandez, um, but we're actually going to compare and contrast the book, The Journey to Understand My Brother, The Truth About Aaron by Jonathan Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez's brother, and the Netflix documentary that just came out, the three-part series. On Aaron Hernandez. Uh, I think it was Inside the Mind. Oh, it is Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. I was in the ballpark. You were close. Pun intended. Yeah. Ballpark. Football Mm -hmm. park. Well, football park. That's not. Um, Ballpark means baseball. but sports. Yeah. It's a Go sports. Pretty. I think most people that I know, Mm -hmm. probably everybody who's listening to this, watched the Aaron Hernandez doc and knows the case. Well, people love a fall from grace. Yes. So I think everybody pretty much knows the story. Mm -hmm. We thought that we would kind of step up our research a little bit by reading this book by his brother, like Mm -hmm. we mentioned. Mm -hmm. And we hope that you get a little bit more insight from our insight into the case. Yeah. We hope that we're going to share something new you didn't know about uh, the the murder of Odin Lloyd and the double murder in Boston in 2012. And Aaron Hernandez as a person and a little bit of his backstory and kind of deep, kind of digging into a little bit of psychology behind Aaron Hernandez and his life and who he was as a person, which I find is the most fascinating part um, to me about the story is a psychology behind the way someone behaves the way they do. Um, So let's get into it. So I'm going to start by before we get started i'm gonna cite my sources it uh the the book i mentioned before um which is by jonathan hernandez also known as dj hernandez yeah he changed he it. changed his name um i actually don't blame him to be honest i don't either so if we say dj that we're talking about jonathan hernandez aaron hernandez's brother my journey to understand my brother the truth about aaron john by jonathan hernandez and Lars Anderson and then also the Netflix um, three-part series killer inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez so I'm going to start off a little bit of a backstory on Aaron Hernandez most everyone probably listening to this is familiar with the case if you're not be prepared uh, to learn something new about a very complicated 
story of sports and double lives and murder. Yes. Okay, so Aaron Hernandez was born in Bristol, Connecticut on November 6, 1989, and he committed suicide at Sousa Bernowski Correctional Center on April 19, 2017 at the age of 27. So Aaron grew up in I would what what I would consider what a middle class family in Bristol, Connecticut. Yes. His father was a custodian and his mother was a secretary at the local, I believe, middle school or high school, one of the schools in town. So according to DJ, Aaron's brother, his father had a dual personality. On one side, he was a supportive, loving, structured father. And then on the other side, he was abusive towards his mother and towards the boys. And it seemed to be mostly um, related to drug and alcohol use. So when he was drinking or when he was abusing drugs, he was, they mostly saw the abusive side of their father, Dennis Hernandez. And he was really popular around town. He was. His nickname was the King. He was Everyone very in town loved him. He was like the man's man and former athlete himself. He, he was, was kind of like a star of the town. Yeah, he was. And it, it was interesting. It's, I find that interesting how people could love Dennis, but then also know about the abuse. Because there were times that the boys would show up with bruises yeah, um, to practice. And, you know, I find it interesting that the, even the boys themselves could put Dennis on such a pedestal, even though he was abusive towards their mother, which they witnessed a lot, and them as kids. Yeah, I think that kids, I think it's easy for kids to do that, though. It is. I just find it interesting yeah part of the puzzle definitely so Aaron um suffered sexual abuse um from six to I would say early teen uh, uh, not early teens I would say from about six years old to I felt like that part was a little bit vague late adolescent it It said for several years yeah it said several years but they didn't actually pinpoint so I would think I would assume it's probably six to eleven yes probably before he got big enough to kind of defend himself so and I'm gonna say alleged sexual abuse um not because I don't believe it but because the abuse was told to DJ by Aaron and Aaron never came out and said it himself. So I consider it like secondhand information. Yes. Um, but I believe it. I believe it as well. I believe that it happened. Um, so this abuse was at the hands of an older boy that went to their babysitter's house. And they would play games of hide and seek. And DJ, who was three years older than Aaron, would go up and hide in a closet and Aaron would be forced to go into a tent with an older boy and he was forced to perform oral sex on this older boy and that was the extent that we know of of the abuse and it continued for several several years so so that was kind of what Aaron was going through in his childhood years coupled with uh, an abusive father figure Um, but Dennis Hernandez died um, when Aaron was 16 from a routine from complications from a routine hernia surgery and this seems to be uh, a pivotal point for Aaron DJ at this point was already in college playing football for UConn University in Connecticut and Aaron was at home with his parents he was playing football for Bristol Central I think it was the name of the high school yes. he went to yeah I believe so and this was kind of a shock to the whole family. It kind of rocked their world, as you can imagine. Yes, he basically um, died completely out of nowhere. Although he was abusive, he was the rock to that family. And I will say, I believe that the father's abuse stopped at a certain point in the boys' mm-hmm. lives. I believe that he made a conscious effort to change his behavior. And I think that at the end of his life, I don't think that there was abuse still going on. Yeah, yeah. That could be. I think that he... He um, was very proud of his boys. I think that he stepped away from the drugs that he was doing mm-hmm. that exacerbated his anger issues. Mm-hmm. So he, I think that he ended up it, at, the, at the end of his life when the, when the boys were a little bit older. I think that the abuse did stop. And I think that their relationship was 
the strongest that it had been. And DJ did talk about playing high school and college football. Their dad was very much a part of their life, very much a part of their sport, early sports career. And he had nothing but fondness and proudness and joy for his boys. Yeah. Playing ball. I mean, this is real life. It's, it's not a movie where there's a bad guy and a good guy. This is real life where people have good parts and bad parts, good parts and bad parts. They might do horrible things for a while, make mistakes and then Mm -hmm. change. And that's just how people actually are. Yeah. So once his father passed away, Aaron kind of went through, he, he went through a really hard time. DJ was away at college. His mom obviously was grieving the loss of her husband, um, and Aaron started hanging out with a cousin, a cousin, Tanya. Yes. It was her name. And she was unsavory in my opinion. And she hung out with a crowd, an unsavory crowd. She hung out with people that were in trouble. Drug dealers. With the law. Minor drug criminals. Dealers, yeah. Um, just an unsavory crowd. And I think that she, I think that Aaron pretty much had free reign to do whatever he felt like doing. I think he was allowed to drink over there. I think mm-hmm. he was allowed to smoke smoke marijuana. weed to do you know pretty much Sounds whatever like he, he was wanted. doing a lot of self-medicating for the pain he was going through with the loss of his father which he was a kid he was 16 at this time he really needed somebody to be there for him and help him get well he this. needed someone to step in and he needed somebody to parent him to right. step in and say you know we're all well, going through this i'm here ran for you a very structured household and Aaron did really well under that. And I think when Dennis Hernandez passed away and he lost that structure, Aaron kind of started to spiral out of control. And their mom wasn't used to being that person in their family. I think that's why she did not know how to handle being the disciplinary, the disciplinary and the head of the house. I think she was also, like you said earlier, grieving the loss of her husband. And um, she wasn't used to being alone. Right. So... Aaron was supposed to, he actually, at the age of 14, received a scholarship for UConn University, the the college that DJ was currently the quarterback of. A spoken, a verbal contract. A ver- right. He got an offer. Yes, a verbal. An yeah. offer for a scholarship at the age of 14. So uh, 14 on, he was going to, he, he had the plan of going to UConn. He had a relationship with the coach. Mm-hmm. So he was planning on going to UConn uh, at that point. And then I think his junior year, for whatever reason, I don't really know, he decided to go down to Florida. I think it's Florida University, the home of the Gators. And he met with the coaches, met with the team. And on a whim, while he was there, decided that he was going to accept their offer and play for this um, Florida. So basically he, for years now... Everyone had known, I'm going to UConn. Mm-hmm. He had a relationship with the school. He had a re- relationship with the coach. His brother went there. And then he goes to Florida, sees one of the biggest, if not the biggest, college football stadiums. Mm-hmm. It's massive. Mm-hmm. He sees these flashy football field, these coaches that are like, let me buy you this, do this. Everything is like very pro-level there's real grass on the field, which he thought was a big deal because he didn't have that back home. There's the fans are going nuts over the football players. I think he was just kind of, you know, in awe of this amazing program program there. Mm-hmm. And I also think that maybe he wanted to get away. You know, I was just going to say, I, I'm wondering myself if he saw Florida as an opportunity to kind of leave the death of his dad behind any turmoil that he had going on between him and his mother, all those hurt feelings that he didn't know how to deal with behind in Connecticut. Yeah. And also this is a major school. I could see why he wanted to go there. Yeah, absolutely. But this decision did not sit well with. It came as a shock. Yeah. To his family, to his mom, to his brother, to the coaches at UConn. It was a shock. He actually went with his, I think his high school coach. Yeah. He was supposed to be kind of like his guardian while he was there. Uh, Yeah. And even the coach was like, well, think about it. You don't need to make a decision before we leave. He made up his mind. So in Miami or, um, I'm sorry, at Florida university, you know, he couldn't, even though he was accepted into one of the best college football programs in the nation, he still couldn't 
keep himself out of trouble. There was multiple incidents. Yeah, there he was, could not stay in line. Mm-mm. And, you know, DJ did his best. I, I really do believe DJ did his best. He was in constant contact with the head coach at Florida. The head coach at Florida welcomed Aaron to their home. He was a highly religious coach, and he coached the team and um, added a lot of his faith into coaching. Um, they did team prayers. They did Bible studies as a team. Some of the team members did Bible studies with the coach. So he was just seemed like an all-around good guy that wanted the best for his players. And he saw that Aaron was heading down this path of, you know, bad decisions. And he really tried to get with DJ and try to, you know, steer him in the right direction. Aaron and could not stay away from a bad crowd. No. And he... Um, he really wanted to put off this persona of mm-hmm. being this kind tough of tough guy, guy. Mm-hmm. and the and the bad crowd wasn't in florida it was in, back in connecticut he couldn't get away from the people that he had the i guess minor criminals that he had made connections with in bristol from 16 to 17 for the last year he just couldn't seem to stay away from that lifestyle and i think it like you said, it made him feel tough. It made, gave him a sense of power to be like this kind of poser, tough guy. And it also, he could not step away from using marijuana. Right. So he had Which to, as an athlete is just asking to... Yeah, he constantly failed drug tests. Yes. Uh, he missed Florida. a game from a failed drug test. Mm-hmm. And he also, that was his connection to, to people in Bristol is he had to get drugs from them. So... Yeah. And as an athlete, I mean, I don't really care what you do to yourself, but as an athlete, you have to know that that's going to hamper your, any sort of career that you have with the game when you know that you're getting drug tested and you're constantly smoking weed. And it also sets a precedent for a reputation too. Yeah. And I'm Um, just assuming that it probably doesn't help your performance if you're high. um, I can't even make a sandwich high. I can't imagine playing (laughs) football. I can't even be a human high. (laughs) I am just like turn into a log. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, just a log on the couch. So there was a 2007 bar fight in Florida where Aaron went out with the well-known quarterback Tim Tebow for Florida. He went. Who to was a, a super religious? Oh yeah, guy. he had the John 316 on his yeah. face every week, and he was famous for claiming abstinence. <laughs> yes, I mean who knows? <laughs> Whatever. I'll take him. I'll give him the benefit of the uh, doubt. I believe him. He probably was. Um. So they went out to a bar drinking one night and um, Aaron, for whatever reason, thought that he wasn't responsible for the bill. The manager came over and said, hey, you can't walk out on this bill. You need to pay it. And Aaron sucker punched him in the ear, broke, ruptured, ruptured his eardrum. The program at Florida covered that up. The bartender decided not to press charges. And um, as we'll talk later about the documentary, that seems to be the case in a lot of these co- big college football towns it, it seems like the players can kind of run around town oh, definitely and do whatever they want and it, it, it's kind of swept under the rug even high school even high school players where football the football program is big in the town mm-hmm. they get away with anything yeah and then there was the 2007 I guess you can consider it a drive-by shooting no one was there was injuries but no one was uh, no fatalities in that shooting apparently a car was at a red light another car pulled up shot into the car there was injuries they never found out who was involved in that but it was insinuated that Aaron Hernandez may have been involved in that however he's never been charged and then after Florida basically the coach to Florida State because of the road that Aaron was going on he kind of made it clear to Aaron that um, his senior year he he, he needed to find an, a, an NFL team to be drafted to. Be, I don't think he was going to be welcomed back to his senior year at Florida. Um, so he was drafted at the age of 20 into the NFL fourth round pick, which this is what I find interesting is his skill level on the field. I've watched a lot of tape since researching this. He, in my opinion, who's never someone who's never played football, but I have watched a lot of football just because I used to bartend at a sports bar. And I also am married to someone who is a sports fanatic. He was a fantastic player. He had the gift of, uh, he was a tight end on the field. 
and he had the gift of size and speed. He was just one of those players that could juke like I've never seen before. He could, he just had a ton of speed for his size. It was, he was, I think six two, about two forty five, and he just was. He, he was an amazing athlete, huge and fast, and he also dedicated almost most of his entire life to playing football. So he what he knew the game. He was obsessed with the game. He loved the game, and he dedicated his body to the game. And he was good. He was a good player. He was a really good player, and it wasn't like you said he. Aaron and his brother, DJ, had been training to be football players mm-hmm. pretty much their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And Aaron got the, the skill, the natural skill, mm-hmm. and he got the size yeah. that DJ didn't. Yeah. Aaron could dunk a basketball in like seventh grade. Yeah. He was, he was an, probably six inches taller he was, than DJ. Yeah. He was an amazing athlete. And his dad, since he was a sports fanatic, also had been helping them train their whole lives right and he was also very authoritarian so by the time he went to by the time Aaron went to college he'd been playing football for 20 years 15 years yeah something I mean he, well, he wasn't even 20 he, he by the time he went to college I think he started he, at six he, so he started been yeah. playing for 11 years yeah he and he should have been a first round draft pick right and but that's, long story longer that's where I was going with yes. that he should have been a first round but draft his pick. behavior was so poor yes that's why he was a fourth round draft pick. Yes. And when his reputation, say, when people say we vet it, we vet all of our players. They and really do. They do vet all their players. But at the same time, they vetted Aaron Hernandez and his athleticism outweighed his, some of the negatives. Lack of maturity. Some of his negatives. Yes. Like lack of maturity, lack of social skills and lack of good decision making. Negative drug tests. Yes. Mm-hmm. His good athleticism outweighed all of the all of the red flags and you know I personally am not a fan of the New England Patriots organization however I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they picked up Aaron Hernandez in hopes of bringing them into his organization because they also picked up Tim Tebow yeah so to they have a lot of really really dedicated it's a very very dedicated team so I think they thought that maybe the good influences would Yes. Help Aaron mature. Yes, I I 100% agree with that. However, once he was drafted the Patriots, he still could not stay out of trouble. He was hanging. He didn't really build a rapport with his teammates. Um, and he continued to hang out with the unsavory crowd back in Bristol. And in 2012, the season before he started playing with the Patriots, there was a... Boston nightclub double murder shooting and the two victims were Daniel Abreu and Safario Furtado and Aaron Hernandez was linked to that and that was a year so that was a year before he actually even started playing for I think it was like the previous season he'd been signed but he hadn't started yes, he playing had been yet signed. with the Patriots and the police knew that these Patriots play a few Patriots players were in the area but I don't even think they gave it a second thought well they thought, because they didn't know each other and why would they thought professional you know, football players they're like you know they saw what it during their investigation um and it took them a long time to put an events uh, uh uh evidence together to bring um charges against charges against Aaron, Aaron. Hernandez um but they saw him initially on the, the surveillance of the club and they thought immediately, wow, that's Aaron Hernandez from the New England Patriots. There's no way that he has anything to do with this. It's just a coincidence that they, he was there. Yeah. So he is playing with the Patriots at this time. He still can't stay out of trouble. He is still hanging with an unsavory crowd. Someone in specific was Alexander Bradley and I think he went by the name Sherrod. I think. Um, he was, they labeled him actually as like a drug kingpin Yeah. in Connecticut. Um, he, and in the book, DJ did not like him. No, he felt very uncomfortable around him. Yeah. Um, and he was the other person involved in the Boston nightclub shooting. Um, 
So that the Boston nightclub shooting was in 2012. He played a season with the New England Patriots. And then in 2013, Aaron Hernandez allegedly shot Alexander Bradley. But Bradley survived. Yeah. He survived and even, in fact, um, came back to testify against Hernandez in the Odin Lowe trial. Um, and I'll, I'll get to, I'm getting to Odin Lloyd. So... I think Aaron Hernandez played two seasons with the Patriots. So during the second season, he was the alleged shooting of Alexander Bradley. And then in June of 2013, while Aaron Hernandez was playing with the Patriots, the murder of Odin Lloyd happened. Uh, Odin Lloyd was shot several times and left an industrial park a mile from uh, the Hernandez house in Massachusetts. And Odin Lloyd was the boyfriend of Aaron's sister-in-law. Yes. So Aaron Hernandez's fiance, Cheyenne. Yes. Her sister was dating Odin Lloyd. And Odin Lloyd was a semi-professional football player in Massachusetts or Boston. Well, Boston is in Massachusetts, but um, I don't know if it was a Boston-based team or if it was a... Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. Base team, like if it was a. He was another. He was a football player as well. A semi-professional football player. Yeah, Um, not for the Patriots, but they just. I think it was the Bandits. Um, they the name of their team was the Bandits. Everything I've heard about him, he was a nice guy. He grew up on a rough side of Boston, and he was just doing trying to do. Um, the best that he could for himself. I think that he used sports like so many guys do that grow up in bad situations to keep himself away from the bad Mm -hmm. crowd, to keep himself safe to a certain respect because he was an athlete. So he wasn't involved in that stuff. Yeah. He did seem like a well-liked, very well-liked man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on June 17, 2013, uh, was the murder of Odin Lloyd. And Aaron Hernandez was suspected also... Aaron was with two other men, Carlos Ortiz and Ernest Wallace. The three of them all picked up Odin that night and drove him to that industrial park. Yeah. Well, and Odin was shot. And in the Netflix. No. Okay. So the book didn't state this, but in the Netflix documentary, it stated the only reason that Aaron was around these two small time criminals is for protection against Alexander Bradley, who said that Aaron had shot him and that he was going to get revenge. So he had started to surround himself with, um, I guess a bootleg security team. I mean, which it's like, you could just have a real security team. Yeah. If you thought someone was trying to murder you. Yeah. He also supposedly hid guns inside of his vehicle in random hidden spots, which is also like, you're allowed to carry a gun. You're not a criminal. Yeah. Well, I, not yet. Yeah. On September 6, 2013, Hernandez. So three months later, after the uh, murder of Odin Lloyd, Hernandez was arraigned for the murder of Odin Lloyd. And he pleaded not guilty. And then on April 15th, 2015, he was convicted of first degree murder of Odin Lloyd. And actually, I'm just going to go a little bit back in time. And um, May 15th, so he was arraigned on September 6th, 2013 for Odin Lloyd. Well, on May 15th, 2014, so... A little less than a year later, he was also arraigned for the double homicide shooting in Boston outside of the nightclub of Safario Furtado and Daniel Abreu. So he was facing three first degree murder charges, one a double murder and one of Odin Lloyd at the within the same year. So on April 15, 2015, he was actually convicted of the murder of Odin Lloyd and sent to a life in prison without parole. And then on April 14th, 2017, so exactly two years later, he was acquitted of the 2012 Boston double nightclub homicide. Because his lawyer, who also... Yes, I didn't know this. Was a lawyer for Casey Anthony. Yeah, um, Jose Baez. Jose Baez. Was actually the same lawyer that um, represented Casey Anthony. He represented... Aaron at this time and mm-hmm. he didn't represent him in his first trial of Odin Lloyd he didn't represent him yeah maybe he should have 
Well, I mean, I feel like he's he was where he was supposed to be. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, definitely. Aaron Hernandez was supposed to be in prison. Yeah. I'm saying from Aaron's perspective, maybe he, he should have, have hired Jose, Jose Baez, Baez because sooner. apparently he's like the god of getting guilty people yeah. off. Off. Yeah, the god of getting guilty people off. The that's, god of that's guilty. A great title. God of getting guilty people off. At this time, and we'll get into this when we talk about the book versus the docu docu series. You know, it seemed that from what everybody said, Aaron was pretty content in prison. In prison, yes, he I did seem that way. I think he kind of felt a sense of relief of the pressure of being a professional athlete and kind of holding up this standard of a person who he thought he needed to be. You know, he asked Shayana, Shayana, yeah, Shayana, um, to send him books, and he was actually reading the Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter series. Um, and he seemed... I think that you said it perfectly. He didn't have to hold up this this fake person of uh-huh. a version of himself. Yeah. On April 14th, he was acquitted of the, the double homicide. April 17th, 2017, reporter Michelle McPhee appeared on the Kirk and Callahan sports radio show during which she and the two hosts used a very crude sexual innuendo to imply that Hernandez was gay. And you'll notice this is kind of the first time that we talk about Hernandez's sexuality. Because me personally, I don't think it's that big of a factor. I mean, a lot of people do. But we'll get in more into his sexuality and, and the struggles that he seemed to struggle with. And then two days later, on April 19, 2017, Aaron Hernandez was found hanging in his cell deceased he committed suicide suicide yeah yeah and that's kind of the 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 condensed shortened version of the aaron hernandez case very condensed because we know that you've probably already heard it yeah so we just did for anyone who didn't hear it we wanted to do a condensed kind of background of who aaron hernandez was a brief rundown and then, and now we're going to get into what we learned from the book and what we learned from the Netflix documentary, how they conflicted each other and, um, kind of the whole picture and overall. Okay. So book versus doc. Yeah. First of all, can we just say our opinion of which one we liked more, enjoyed more? Do you have one that you enjoyed more? Um, or did you think that they were both from such different perspectives? They're kind of apples, oranges. I thought that they were apples and oranges. I did enjoy the book just as a whole more. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate DJ writing his truth and speaking his truth. And I, that had to be really hard to do. It's not easy being the brother of a, of a convicted murderer. No, I cannot imagine. You know. I, I too enjoyed the book more than the, it just felt more personal because it was from his brother. But maybe if we would have watched the doc, maybe it's because we read the book first. I'm not sure if that clouded our judgment. Well, and he, I, I feel like you have to kind of consider the sources too. The source of the book, I feel like was a firsthand account of of Aaron. And I feel like he was about as honest as he could be. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I think I he mean, talked about a lot of stuff that they probably wasn't easy to talk. About. I yeah. mean, it's not easy to admit that your father was abusive. Someone that you loved, cherished. No, I mean the king. They they yeah. literally called him the king, and it's not easy to admit uh, that the person that you looked up to and that you have loved your entire life was an abusive person. Yeah. So I do feel like he was truthful, and um, I I like the book. I did too. I did. I did. I feel like watching both just gave us a fuller picture mm-hmm. of the situation. Like, mm-hmm. for example, um, in the book, DJ obviously talked about the sexual abuse that Aaron suffered at the hands of the teenage boy. Right. And then I found it an interesting fact, however you want to say it, that was mentioned in the Netflix doc was when his lawyer, when Aaron, his lawyer said that Aaron had asked him, do you think that your sexuality is determined based on the abuse that he a trauma su- like that suffered yeah 
he was basically and I think the lawyer he spoke to was, was gay. gay. Yeah. So he said he basically said, do you think that the reason somebody would be gay is because they were abused. This abuse that and he did. Yeah, he did ask him, do you think I have these feelings because I was abused? And if Aaron thought that that was what led to him being gay, that might have been part of the reason why he felt shame about mm-hmm. his sexuality which is sad and horrible and I hope that I I mean I just hope that now people don't have that sort of feeling there's nothing wrong with being gay there's nothing wrong with being bisexual trans straight be who you are I, well, I think it's horrible that somebody would feel that way I mean there's just such a level of um, shame that comes with um, sexual abuse, being a victim of sexual abuse, you, you just naturally think have a level of shame, especially if you're a child, you don't can't really comprehend. A lot of the times it just comes with shame. So the abuse so kind of linked the shame double with abuse well, and sex, his and sexuality. And I think the reason that he, and, and I say if, I say if he was gay. First of all, I just want to start out by saying, I don't care if he was gay or not. That doesn't make any difference to me. I think it's a lot of, it's really salacious to some people because he was a big NFL star. He was a huge sports athlete and how um, juicy gossip it is that he happened to be gay. Which really just shows that we need to drop our stereotypes about what it means to be straight or gay or masculine or or an athlete or an athlete or whatever. Like, let's just drop these bullshit stereotypes and let people be who they're going to be. They want to be. I know. So... And I think that the reason he had a lot of shame if he was gay was because he grew up in a family who his dad consistently used the F word and not fuck the other F word, a derogatory term. We say fuck, but we call the other one the F word. Yeah, a derogatory term for a male, a gay male. And I think he constantly used that. And I think Aaron maybe his dad was hyper homophobic homophobic and Uh hyper like old school masculinity dude Mm -hmm. toxic masculinity if you will yeah and I feel like Aaron it seemed to reading about him from his brother and watching these documentaries and researching him seemed he had like a dual level of shame like he had this shame from being abused sexually not only being abused sexually but also being abused by a male sexually and then he had these feelings of homosexuality and the level of shame that came with Uh, having a father who wasn't okay with that so I think there was a lot of shame that Aaron was dealing with his entire life yeah and it kind of makes sense from a um, psychology point of view where he was self-medicating with unsavory people and he was self-medicating with alcohol and uh, drugs marijuana which I personally don't consider yeah a very hardcore drug yeah I don't consider it either the problem with it is solely because he was an athlete right if he and wasn't it was, and because he was it was allowed yeah if, if if he wasn't an athlete and he was just smoking weed it wouldn't I mean it would be nothing yeah so so uh, that was one thing that I found interesting from both of our sources was that whole situation with Aaron yeah um another thing I found interesting in the book that um DJ or Jonathan Hernandez wrote is he mentioned a lot of lifetime head injuries. From Did, the time he was a child. Yeah, a lot. When he was how um, old? How old was I think he was eight when he got hit in the head with a hammer. The kids were hammering something. Did the hammerhead fly off? Yeah, and hit Aaron in the head and blood, uh, blood was coming out of his ears, ears and nose. And nose. Mm-hmm. And because they were living in a violent household, they were afraid that they would get in trouble. So they didn't even tell anybody. They right. just rushed Aaron in and cleaned him up real quick. Yeah. He also, which is, yeah, that's insane. And he also had at least one concussion in high school, probably more than one, which they talk about his, the friend on the documentary, his, um, the boy that he, the man that he played football with that he also dated in high school. Yes. His high school Uh, quarterback yes he said that he for sure gave him at least one concussion that he knew of also I'm I'm, he played Pop Warner so I'm sure he had a lot of head injuries he He started playing football when he was six he had a known concussion in college that was he was benched from a game well he was knocked out cold 
he was knocked out. And then that night, that's the night that he drove the car. Really? Right? I'm fairly certain that DJ said that he wasn't aware that Aaron had had a major head injury at that game. And Aaron drove home. And he ran from the cops. He saw a cop on the side of the road doing whatever, closing down a road or something. Yeah. Aaron swerved around the cop, narrowly missing him, ended up getting chased by the cops and got in a high speed chase from police with his brother and his girlfriend in the car. Yeah. And then somehow, you know, he made a turn movie style, lost the police, whatever. Turn the lights off. It was just an example Uh, of his. Alexander Bradley was in the car at that time, too. Yes. And it was just a a huge example of his irrational. Yeah. Decision making like you're. What are you doing? They were doing nothing wrong. They yeah. were just driving. I don't know. It yeah. was, that was very strange. Bizarre. D- DJ in the book thought that that situation was very bizarre. And that I, I mean, think he that was, was kind of one of the first indicators like, okay, something is not right here. Something is going, there's definitely something going on with my brother. Yeah. Um, this is not normal behavior. And then another major thing, two other major things that DJ pointed out that I think lend themselves to head trauma and poor decision making was when he is when Aaron threw a fit over finding a cell phone and threw his bed like on the balcony and all this shit one time when they Mm -hmm. were having a party Mm -hmm. and then one time DJ was visiting Aaron in Los Angeles and DJ found Aaron on the roof of their of their like on the balcony on the balcony of Mm -hmm. their rental and Aaron had a gun and was just sitting there with he's rubbing his face with it rubbing his face with a loaded gun yeah, and strange these behavior. were all just bizarre behaviors that lend themselves to Aaron's issues with CTE. I'm glad that you brought up CTE. So what is that exactly? Chronic traumatic encephalopathy is a neurodegenerative disease caused by repeated head injuries. Symptoms may include behavioral problems, mood problems, and problems with thinking. Symptoms typically do not begin until years after the injury. CTE often gets worse over time and can result in dementia. Right. So here's another layer. I mean, at the beginning of this episode, we said it's it's complicated. This is a very complicated story. And this is CTE is just another layer on top of this Aaron Hernandez onion, for lack of better terms. I mean, CTE is associated with a lot of high contact violent sports such as football and wrestling. Both mediums alluded to CTE. Yes. Um, DJ alluded to CTE at the end of the book. Um, yes, and he where he talked to the CTE specialist. Right. Um, also, in the Netflix doc, they talked about Junior Seiyu's 2012 suicide because of right. CTE, which right. is tragic. Right. You know, the commonality between uh, Junior Seos and uh, Aaron Hernandez is everybody, when all this like kind of secret life, the secret life of Aaron Hernandez came out, everybody said, well, that doesn't seem like the Aaron Hernandez I knew. Well, that doesn't seem like the Aaron Hernandez that I hung around with, or I never saw that side of him. A lot of people said that about Junior. Yeah. About, you know, he was the they happiest was guy the in the locker guy. room. So sad. He was playing his ukulele. Like this was the last thing that we expected. We had no idea. You know, I don't know. Do you did you ever in your research, did you ever find out if um CTEs correlated with depression or suicidal thoughts? It does. I think that there is a correlation and that's why Junior Seu shot himself in the chest was so that his brain could be looked at. Yeah, that's what the documentary I said. think that um well, CTE, because CTE affects your mood, I think yeah. that it having severe mood swings having and severe not mood being swings, able to do yeah. anything about it would, I think, cause depression. And after thoughts. Aaron Hernandez's suicide, mm-hmm. his brain was researched. Yes, it was, and he definitely had CTE. So yes, that he is did. not a he had the worst case of CTE a, ever seen in a twenty-seven-year-old. Yeah. So we're not. That's not like a hypothetical. That's a fact. Yeah. He did he have did. CTE. Yes. So, yeah. What did they say his brain looked like? He was 46. 46 and he was 27. Seven. Mm-hmm. It is the worst case of CET found in a brain of someone his age. Worst case ever because, recorded. Because it had started when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't like it just started when he was in 
when he was a pro or when he was in college. Well, he only even. played two years, two yeah. seasons with the Patriots, I think. So, like you said, it's pretty much just one more part of Aaron, right? That led to poor decision making. Poor decision making mm-hmm. that led to this horrible murder of right. of Odin Lloyd. Yeah, I um, I like you. I don't think that his sexuality was the driving force behind this murder. Mm-mm. I think that the fact that he had been getting away with shit for a really long time. And the fact that he basically had no con- had no self control, right? I think a combination of things led to it. Uh-huh. I agree. Anger issues, a uh-huh. big ego, and CTE. And also, um, like you said, he basically went unchecked. Yeah, you know, nobody really point, held him accountable. At this point, by the time he murdered Odin Lloyd, he had. If everybody who says he shot somebody is correct, he had alleged. shot. If, yeah, he had allegedly shot three people. Right. Well, he allegedly shot more than that, but he had allegedly killed two people in Boston. Yes. Shot one person, uh, Bradley Alexander, Alexander Bradley in Miami. But before that, in Gainesville in 2007, he allegedly shot into a car. It's but never been was proven. Killed. Correct. But they... Um, insinuated that he that might he have it. had something to do with that. It does seem like his MO. Yeah. I mean, so he'd been ramping up for a while with oh, no yeah. repercussions. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I think it's an incredibly sad, it's an incredibly complicated situation. And think about the fact that he was playing football. He was a professional football player and he murdered, he had shot people. He had already killed two people when he was playing football. By the time he he started, even started in the NFL. It's insane. He really was, he really did lead two lives. He did. He had had two personalities. Yeah. He had the guy that everybody thought that he was and then he had this darker side but even I kind of feel like that even with his darker side I feel like that wasn't the real him either Mm -hmm. I feel like he was just putting up a front to look tough for absolutely no reason and and see here's the thing and maybe this is why his sexuality is such a uh, hot topic for people um is he could have been putting on this persona of tough guy tough gangster guy because to throw people off about yeah. his sexuality. To seem hyper-masculine to hide his um, sexuality. I don't know. Who knows? The only person that will know is Aaron Hernandez. He's the only one who who would who knows that. And he's dead. So no one will ever know. It's just a crazy... I think that the reason why people are so drawn to it too, like you said, it's... People love a fall from grace. But it's also unimaginable to throw away the life that you I had think that's what people for a are senseless so murder this yes. man did nothing to be mur- not not saying that a vict- it's ever a victim's fault but this man did nothing no. to be murdered no he nothing. did absolutely nothing. nothing you know and he was here's the cold thing. blood shot in cold blood totally point blank range Left like trash in an industrial park for no reason the the real tragedy here isn't Aaron no it's Odin it's Oh, it's never Aaron. Yeah. He was dealing with some heavy situations and some heavy internal issues. But for me, the real victim in this situation are the victims of Aaron Hernandez and the families of the victims and all the lives. I mean, even Aaron's own family. Yeah. Um, is these they're all victims in this i mean aaron hernandez for whatever reasons we will never know was an absolute tornado of destruction and i mean it, it's always sad when somebody with talent throws their life away but the, i think that's what people are obsessed with that like, is, you literally had everything that you'd worked your whole life for mm-hmm. but there was a couple a couple of things like his friend in the doc said you know everybody thought he had it all but none of it was the life that he really wanted so maybe to him, he really didn't have anything because he wasn't living his truth. Well, yeah, but I say to that, there's a lot of people all over the world not living their truths and they're not going out. No, I'm not saying that it's I'm an not excuse. saying that you're saying that, but I, but just to, to say, you know, there's a lot of people that are ashamed of their sexuality still, which is so tragic. Sad. And there's a lot of people that aren't living their truths and... To me, that's not an excuse. Like he made the decisions, whether it was CTE, um, but I feel like CTE doesn't control you. You don't turn into a mindless uh, robot. You just have impulse control. There were still little decisions leading up to those bigger decisions, 
you know. And I think that his ego and his anger mm-hmm. issues, I think he was trying to be like an, a ramped up version of his dad who was hyper masculine, mm-hmm. prone to violence, mm-hmm. but everybody loved him. Right. I think that Aaron thought that he could be that times 10. Yeah. And I also thought that he he thought he was invincible because he had gotten away with so many things for so long. Definitely, He had organizations that protected him and kind of made things go away for him. And he, and he just, never had to think about it because no. he'd just like get high and get drunk and kind of forget about all he, of it. Absolutely. And he, I think um, he absolutely took it too far the last time and it, it, and someone lost their life. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I don't even, you know, and what really irritated me of getting into the Netflix series, what really irritated me is they played a lot of jailhouse conversations, mm-hmm. um, jailhouse phone calls. And he, to me, had no remorse. No, I don't think he had any remorse. And it really, really, any sim- any tiny it, little itty bit of sympathy that I had for Aaron going through the struggles he was going through went out the window when I heard those phone calls. Or the video of him hanging with the dudes and his baby after the they murdered. After, right. That was disgusting. It was and it just and chilling his baby in these they're all with a baby hanging out with Aaron's baby daughter yeah and I just feel like any sympathy up into that point up to that point because essentially Aaron was outed Mm -hmm. two days before he committed suicide and you know that's fucked up no that matter, was fucked up. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, I think your sexuality is 100% personal. It's 100% your business. And whether you want to talk about it or not talk about it should be up to you. And I 100% agree. I feel like outing somebody like that in such a public arena and in, to add insult to injury, such a crude way. Derogatory. Oh yeah, my goodness. It was, it was beyond... That was that was a, an unfortunate situation, and I really hope that that wasn't the leading deciding factor for Aaron's suicide. I don't. He I don't know. Suicide two days later. I don't know what was in his mind. I think he maybe thought that he was helping out his family because then they would get the money from the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't think he thought that far ahead. Right. Because if he committed suicide, then the charges against him would be dropped because. Because he was appealing his case. Mm -hmm. I think that he thought that since his case was an appeal, if he died before it went through, then the charges would be dropped. And I think he thought maybe financially he'd be helping his family. That was also brought up in the documentary. Yeah. um, Massachusetts at the time of Aaron's suicide had an archaic law or bill that was if you were not um, able to make your appeal trial, then you were... um, the charges were dropped. The charges, yeah, you wouldn't be charged with whatever you were appealing. Uh, no, actually, a silver lining to this story is yes. Odin Lloyd's mother lobbied after Aaron Hernandez committed suicide, and they basically said that he was found not guilty um, because he died during his appeal of that trial or appeal of that conviction. She lobbied to the state of Massachusetts legislator. Uh, that it was an archaic law and that she wasn't getting justice for her son and they overturned that law and he his guilty conviction was upheld which I have to say that Odin Lloyd's mother was such a pillar of grace and and strength strength. yes and she was an incredible incredible woman truly truly um and that was the silver lining in this case is to see a strong woman fight for her son and make changes didn't get to fight for himself. And she made changes mm-hmm. that hopefully will prevent something like that from happening again. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I feel like him being outed in such a public arena was absolutely um, fucked up. But then to hear his jailhouse conversations, basically having no remorse, basically, um, claiming that he didn't do it. He told DJ he didn't do it, um, which I don't believe. I believe maybe I believe he wasn't either. there or maybe he didn't actually shoot the gun. Cause there were two other people there. Um, but I think he, he was involved. It. I think he ordered it if he didn't do it. Exactly. So he is the reason that o- Odin Lloyd is dead. Yes. Yeah, so Whether he's he did it himself or he ordered somebody to do it or he asked somebody else to do it. He's the reason that Odin Lloyd lost his life that night. And just to hear this conversation, he had a conversation with his agent at one point saying like, you know, could you get me a deal? 
because the Patriots weren't going to pay out his contract. And um, his agent was like, man, Nike said they don't put swishes on orange jumpsuits, you know. And, you know, Aaron made an offhand joke. Well, can you get me a deal with Smith & Wesson, which is a gun manufacturer? And I just thought that was so insensitive and heartless and so heartless and so any so sort cruel. of sympathy that you have for Aaron at that point is just out the fucking window it really was at that point I was like what a fucking asshole man at this point I don't care what you are struggling with what you're wrestling with what kind of struggles you are dealing with internally that may made you have a substance abuse issue or treat people shitty in your life you know like a lot of people deal with that stuff but just to see him so callous and so unapologetic it was just I'm like yeah. You know, you're, you are where you, you need to you're be where you're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that is basically the case of Aaron Hernandez in a nutshell, in a nutshell. And a, it's our, and, and our opinion of yeah the book versus the documentary. If you watch the doc and you were into it, you should definitely read the book yeah. or audio book it. It's very personal. I think that DJ Hernandez did a great job mm-hmm. and, um, as always, whenever we talk about a murder case, I just want us to all remember the people that really matter in this story, which the is victims and their families, Odin Lloyd and his family, and also Daniel Abreu and yes. Safario Furtado yes. uh, were the victims. Um, so let's remember those our names. Our condolences to them and their families. You know, in the, in the documentary, Safario and Daniel their family showed up for them in court. They had aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters, and they were two very hardworking. I mean, they're, they were very, very much loved. They're very hardworking and they were just out at a club having a good time. And they happened to piss somebody off that had um, no regard for the law. Exactly. Uh, No regard for human life. Exactly. So, um, our condolences go out to Odin Lloyd and his family and Daniel Abreu and Safario Furtado. Our condolences go out to their families and them and may you all rest in peace. And it's just a very sad story. There was a lot of lives destroyed in this story. A lot. There were. It is a sad story. I mean, I guess the only other silver lining aside from Odin's mom changing that law is mm-hmm. that hopefully now... There'll be more information on CTE, yeah, more awareness. studies done, more mm-hmm. awareness. I know the NFL is, you're not allowed to do tack, helmet-to-helmet tackles. There, there's changing a lot of rules with the NFL to help keep the players safe. Well, it's hard to be an athlete and protect your body at the same time. I, it is. I also feel like I might piss off the NFL here if they happen to hear this. They're coming for They listen. But I do feel there like are they, first listeners. At the, at the end of the day... The bottom line is money for them, and they do. I do think that they turn a blind eye to CTE, um, which is unfortunate for these athletes and their families because a lot of athletes, there have been several athletes, and I saw this on a reel to reel or 30 to 30 with mm-hmm. um, on Showtime, I think, or HBO. A lot of athletes that have CTE, it actually leads to Parkinson's. Yeah, that's awful. And there is quite a few football players that have that have ended up with Parkinson's and it shortens their life big time definitely so I mean is it worth it the brain is a complicated thing it It might be it it might be worth it to some people but at least now people have that information Mm -hmm. to make the decision yeah people used to not have the information to make the decision right but now hopefully it's out there and if you choose to risk your health yeah for the sport then that's your choice right well just don't take people down with you oh definitely obviously i'm just saying at least now athletes i mean know here it comes down because to people athletes used to have no idea what was gonna what could possibly happen right so they would just be going into it thinking i'm gonna have a great career period yeah make lots of money yeah anyway so that is the very complicated and sad tale of aaron hernandez and the murders that he committed and the people in his life and I um I thought it was fascinating. I find it a very fascinating case. I preferred the book over the documentary. I thought Me that, too. I thought the documentary That's the podcast was a, consensus. Played a little bit more into a sexuality, which I was disappointed with, but I think the real thing should be CTE and Aaron Hernandez's psychology behind him and the reason he did the things he did. Maybe his sexuality was a tiny little part of that, but I don't think his sexuality had anything to do with him killing people. Me neither. So I agree. All right, then. If you have an opinion on the Aaron Hernandez case, 
reach out to us. Tell us your opinion. Find us on Instagram. Leave a comment. Like a picture. Yeah, what where a post is going to go up about this. Leave leave your opinion in the in the comments below. And we'll have our our lovely drink recipes as always. Mm-hmm. And on that note, thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourselves out there. Yes, please. Take care of yourself for sure by hydrating, meditating, and masturbating. Cheers to that, Cheers to that.